0: where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Raphael.
1: Hello, thanks once again for stopping by and for downloading our program podcast entitled Where Are We Going? I'm Raphael Martinez, a minister in the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen in. This podcast is one of the services of Spirit Watch Ministries, an outreach of discernment in our deceptive world that has been ongoing since 1993. You can learn more about us at our website SpearWatch.org and take a look at some of our original research and keep up to date using our Facebook and YouTube links there on the page as well. Our SpearWatch Unchained blog has been around a few years and we post there with updates when we can as well as offer exclusive discernment content that you just won't find anywhere else. And so we hope you'll enjoy visiting there. And, and while you're at it, invite all your friends, enemies, neighbors, your plumbers, <laughs> and everyone all points in between to listen to as well. We appreciate your helping us build our, our audience. And we can be found on Google, Spotify, uh, as well as uh, uh, Amazon uh, podcast channels. <laughs> now, biblical perspectives on unbiblical stuff are what we offer in our podcasts. We've been compelled to provide testimonial about the ungodly doings of cultic movements across the nation for some time this past year, and today, we feel no less this urgency. This is our final broadcast of the season, and uh, we do want to be able to provide for you what we just know is the reality out there for far too many people. Now, what a lot of podcasts, indeed, I think far too many do, is offer critiques of cultic movements from... Psychological or Christian perspective of any of every, of every uh, persuasion, they typically focus exclusively on their philosophy or their theology and use doctrinal or historical perspectives exclusively that are rooted in their own uh, persuasion of whoever the podcaster is. Now, now, as accurate as that might be, it isn't always the best approach. In fact, uh, the plainly human practical and social impact of bad theology barely gets any mention most of the time. People would rather point fingers and even laugh at uh, some of the eccentricities of cultic movements uh, at the expense of trying to figure out who the cult members themselves are and how they're really being victimized by it all. Now, uh, one of the most destructively toxic influences of cultism are most visible when you recognize how truly wrecked, damaged, and even shattered the lives of cult members can become as they embrace that cult's doctrine that seems orthodox or even biblical. There's no more devastating and deceptive cultism can be when it comes off as an expression of sound doctrine and practice. In first Thessalonians chapter two, verses seven through eight, the Apostle Paul movingly described his concern and care for the Christian believers in the ancient Greek city of Thessalonica as he, he was writing to. He wrote, we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For all of his theological precision, his brilliant polemic and rock solid exposition of biblical precepts rooted in the Old Testament that revealed the gospel of Jesus and the kingdom of God, Paul never forgot that he considered himself first and foremost a shepherd that loved the sheep God put under his care, and he loved them to the point he was ready to give his life for them. His legacy was that a parental nature and and a longing for the good of all believers he cared for in a nurturing, nursing manner. Uh, That unfortunately is not the example we find in the so-called ministry of the Zenos slash Dwell Movement of Columbus, Ohio. The underlying feral nature of a cult based upon uh, natural barnyard pecking orders, then the gracious yearning of a mother for her baby she nurses at her breast has long been shrouded by its brightly colored self-commendation and its own public relations image grooming. Uh, we've seen Zayas do all it can to cover itself up and come off as just another cutting-edge biblical Christian fellowship. Uh, But in the next episode we're about to bring to you, you're going to get to hear just how hateful this outfit really is. Candy, who is our guest today, will take us through a very private hell that the closed doors and shiny gift wrapping of Xenos slash dwells superstructure kept very well hidden as we shall see. Candy. It's our pleasure for you to appear with us uh, today on our podcast. Where are we going? And I, Appreciate your willingness and desire to to share about uh, some of your stories. Thanks again so much for for coming on. Yeah, thank
2: you for having me.
1: Right. So you, you, and you'd mentioned uh, coming on and like I said, we've had so many people wanting to tell our stories and I, and I, I really do appreciate that. And if you're out there and I haven't contacted you yet or haven't been in touch with you regarding um, an offer or a request you wanted to make to uh, get to me. I please be patient with me. <laughs> There's so many of you. And, um, I mean, uh, and I, I really do want to get a chance to, to call you, reach out to you and chat with you and then, uh, and then, uh, see where we go from there. And, and there are, of course, people who, who have contacted us, uh, about being on the podcast who started out to do so and then decided not to. And then that's fine. All right. That, that's fine too. We do understand that when you start to make yourself uh, transparent and vulnerable in such a way, it, it can be pretty heavy. I mean, uh, I had one lady, uh, request enough, and it wasn't about the Xenos, it was about the Gladstone cult, uh, that I've been also covering down in Cincinnati. Um, we had a very, she, we had a great interview and we we're getting ready to release her, uh, podcast. And at just at the last minute, about an hour or so before it's going to premiere, uh, she called me and she so really seriously, can, can I back out of it? Can I not do that? Uh, I just, I just returned. I said, well, sure. Of course it is. I mean, it's disappointing. I love it. I think it's a great interview, but I certainly understand if you feel like you couldn't do it, you can't do it. It's, 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 you know, th- this is a heavy thing. And, uh, can I appreciate you taking the time and, and having mulled over this and, uh, see that there, you're going to be able to be able to share. All that. I, I thank you so much for, for doing that. And, uh, have you, uh, have you, uh, thought about, uh, what might happen or anything like that yourself? I mean, how, how is, how did this, how do you, you're the first interview I really asked about this, but how do you think this is going to affect you later? I mean, do you have family or friends still in or?
2: I don't have any family or friends still in. Most of the people that I was super close with have been blocked already by this point after sharing the articles like NBC4 and the Daily Beast that I got a lot of backlash from them. And at that point, I just completely like, I'm not even going to let you text me anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you know what, that's, that's the important thing to do. You're taking control of, of the flow of information in your life. I think yeah. that's important because I think it helps. I think it's going to give you, you – don't want to be rude to people, blah, blah, so to speak, but you, you sometimes you just have to do what you have to do to, you know, keep people out of your circle that don't need to be there, right?
3: hmm
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to do that today and share a little bit, so we'll go ahead and get started. So so tell me, once again, I know we, we've talked about this, but how did you um, – Were you were you raised in the church, or did did you just get involved, or did you um, did you go to OSU and then and and then get recruited? I mean, how that uh, how did you get introduced to uh, to Zenas?
2: I joined when I was fifteen. I was in high school, fourteen or fifteen. I kind of lost track of the time, Um, but there was just this girl who was sitting next to me in art class when I was in high school. And she was actually trying to invite someone else out, but she was like, oh, you can come too. Um, And I feel like there's like a type that they kind of prey on. And it's like the lonely kids, the vulnerable. um, I was like close enough with this girl that she knew enough about me, about like my parents were abusive and um, that kind of thing. Uh, So I feel like the they kind of knew that I would be one to kind of get get stuck.
1: So, you, so well, I mean, I think, and that's you bring up a great point because I think everybody's vulnerable, aren't they? Everybody has a moment mm-hmm. in which they they feel disconnected or lost or lonely or incomplete in some way, and they're looking for someone who who can perhaps uh, provide them um, a good outlet, isn't it? That? not isn't, isn't that really true?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, so, uh, so you were in a situation where you had, sadly, you had abusive family members and, uh, you just felt pretty, pretty alone in school. There's a lot of kids too, unfortunately. And so yeah. you were over her tell a story and it was, it was a great, starting story. What, what, what did you, what did she say?
2: She was just like, oh, hey, we're having a Bible study at my friend's house. Do you want to come? You know, it wasn't. There was no, like, initial spiritual conversation or anything like that. It was just like, hey, you want to come to my Bible study? Um, And and I ended up going. And it was, like, it almost felt like like, an adrenaline rush being there. You know, you just had this deep spiritual teaching. And, um, you know, there's all these people here, and they all want to get to know you. They all want to talk to you. I want to play games with you, you know, everybody's just super invested, especially if you're like, there's not a ton of new people there. It's kind of all about you, and I had never had that experience before. So, so it mm-hmm. kind of felt like, like almost like a high being there, and like having all this focus on me.
1: So Russell, prior to that, you really didn't have that much, did you have? Any kind of real social life where, where, where people were keyed in on you or, or it was just, you just basically had a few friends and hung around and just, but never really had a whole event kind of turned towards you, did it? Right.
2: Yeah. It's like, you, I had my like three or four friends that I hung out with. Didn't really do a lot outside of school. Um, it was really just, you know, I hang out with people at school. Um, I did nothing on the weekends. So it was like, the big event on Sunday and...
1: Okay. So did your parents go to church or, I mean, how, I mean, you heard it was a Bible study. What made your ears prick up and say, I want to go see a Bible study, you know? <laughs> and, and well, yeah, I mean, does that, I mean, how did it, how did that hook you?
2: I'm not really sure. <laughs> thinking back about it. Um my parents were like, moderately religious they definitely believed in god but you know Uh. um they like talked about it a little bit but not a lot we weren't raised in a church or anything Mm -hmm. um honestly i just wanted something to do i think yeah um an excuse to get out of the
1: house yeah yeah. And of course your, your parents couldn't object if you went to a Bible study and it wasn't like you're going right. to, a, wasn't like you're going to, uh, you know, to, to go vape in a lounge somewhere. I mean, you're, you're going to go to a Bible study. Sounds perfectly squeaky clean,
3: right? Right. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. so you got there and of course you were the center of attention. And like you said, it certainly is an intoxicating experience to feel somebody just sit around everything you do and say, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's like it wasn't just high school students and like other people I knew from school. It was like I think too part of it was like I mean they were older to to me, but like there was a married couple that were leaders and a bunch of like college students as well. Um and I think that was cool too. Like like one of the college students gave me a ride home and was, like, talking with me a bunch, and I'm like, wow, this older person's invested in me, too. Like, that's really cool, because, like, all my friends were just from high school, and
1: yeah. you know. You really didn't have too many older family members or friends in school that really kind of uh, spent time with you. you, you, you right. Yeah. You, know, you know, and that's important. That's a very important to a young man and woman growing up to have, you know, even though, even though all young people... You know, they have that kind of diffidence, you know, that kind of like, you know, uh, arm's length kind of attitude, you know, in the end, it's always vital for people to grow up having someone around them who's older that to help them see things, right? Right. Yeah. So, so, and you received that. So, uh, so what, what went on from there after that first night? You, you obviously kept going.
2: Right. Yeah. For seven whole years. <laughs> seven years. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. So, um,
1: so you, you were 15 when you started to do that, and then, um, and so you went on until, what, 22? 21, 22? 22, 23. 23, wow. So, so what was it like, uh, now you were, in, did that, were, you, were you living in Columbus at this time?
2: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I lived in Columbus, um, and honestly, like, there's not a lot from my high school experience that really sticks out to me. It's like something questionable or like, like inappropriate that they did (laughs) like college or high school group was like fun and exciting. And it's like, okay, you know, we're going to prepare you to like move into the ministry house and be a leader and do all this fun stuff. And it's going to be great. And there was that, that sort of like hype energy to it. And it was like, a lot less commitment it was two nights a week um until your senior year and then you could go to college meetings as well um which ended up being five nights a week right (laughs) you know when you're a senior in high school and you're trying to graduate and take all these exams and um which was a little overwhelming um but it wasn't like i don't know my grades definitely dropped which was unfortunate like but it wasn't anything too much. My mom was like, I don't think you should go to that. And I just wouldn't, like, it wasn't the end of the world. But um, once I got into, like, the end of my senior year, the beginning of my time in the, like, college ministry, that's when things kind of started getting rockier. Um, so...
1: Were they, so um, were you already preparing to go on to the the college, specifically to OSU or someplace else?
2: Um, uh, I had, uh, I pretty much just applied to all the local schools anyway. Like, okay, at that point, like I had been kind of, I mean, they they definitely talked you into like going to OSU or Columbus State. Um, and I ended up getting a full ride to OSU anyway, so it wasn't like okay. It was pretty much the decision made itself anyway. Right. <laughs> um. Like, why would I go to any other school when I have a full ride to OSU? Um,
1: okay. So so it just worked out for Xenos that uh, you had you were a, a sharp cookie and you got a full ride. I mean that sort of helps helps them out quite yeah. so obviously this was God's will for you to be to be with them. Is that right? Is it that you? Uh, any get, get get any kind of coaching like that?
2: yeah definitely that was their um the way that they put it like I remember like waiting for that acceptance letter from OSU and like talking with my disciple at the time like so what are you gonna do like if you don't get into OSU and it's like I don't know go to Columbus State like obviously like there was that part of me that wanted to stay with them and like you know believing that like I don't know They don't say like God can't use you outside of Columbus, but they definitely mean that.
1: Right. (laughs) Um, It's implicit. It's not really. It's not really verbalized. But 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 as you know, it's it's kind of like me. That's. Mm -hmm. Something to keep hearing over and over again from so many people is that, is that, Z, is that Zeno's disciples and people, they're, they, while they're hyping you up and making you feel great, uh, for being there, they're obviously going to try to circumscribe your choices. They're going to, they're going to try to influence you one way or the other to go to OSU, because that's obviously right. the only place God really can, can work at, uh, and so, and yeah. uh, and it, obviously it's the only place they can – God's working there is because it's the one place that Xenos can centralize its control and has a, a very, yeah. very extensive uh, uh, influence and presence there in the area there. I mean, uh, so you were just one of many bio packages <laughs> they can fit in yeah. their uh, – and their uh um, their grub hub uh wagon uh cotton people around so that that sounds crude I guess but <laughs> that's what it seems yeah. like. It really does definitely
2: definitely how it is for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, told God meant you to go to the OSU and you know what? It's not a bad place. OSU is a good school. It really is. It's just this, this underlying subculture, uh, that Xenos has, has, uh, obviously enriched itself with that that's in there. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. so you went
1: there and, uh, what did you go to study? What was your, what was your plan?
2: Um, you know, I don't even remember what my major was when I initially went into college. I think I changed it like five times. Okay. Um, but I ended up with, uh, studying human development and family sciences. Okay. Um, so, and I don't know, my college time was a little rocky. Um, and I think part of that was like spending so much time in the church going to, you know, the three Bible studies a week and, um, house meetings and parties that were required, but not like really required. And like just spending all this time and like taking classes through the church, like you, you right. had to, you know, and you know, they're not free either. Like you have to pay to take, right. um, you know, everybody my freshman year was taking the leadership training class and. Right.
1: So that's what these were. These these were grooming you, these classes, which you had to pay for and, and you had to fulfill within a certain amount of time. These are all grooming you to become leaders, right? To, become, right. to actually lead in Xenos. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And
2: even some of the curriculum in that class, like I know, and I think I still have this document, there's one that talks about like career choices and how it's like unwise to like become a doctor because it's so much time outside of ministry or um, like it basically lists acceptable and unacceptable career choices based on the impact and uh-huh. it heavily indicates that women should stay at home um, wow yeah
1: incredible um, incredible culture it just it, it's, it's just as if you know you, you wonder you know Xenos claims to be all about you know um, how it, it uplifts people and empowers them to, you know, to live better lives. But yet, they're telling you how to live a life. You're living a better life, in you view as long as you follow their rules and follow what it is they expect you to become. Because yeah. of, because they already have a role assigned for you. You're already going to be something within the group or within, and within a larger culture. You're meant, you're, you're expecting to be, you're, you're, you're uh, obviously being groomed to be a part of. Right,
2: and and it's like, obviously, there's the leadership training classes, but they have classes for, like, everything you can possibly imagine. Um, Like, how to date, and it's all just, like, church-based dating and staying within the church and picking the most appropriate person for you. And um, I ended up taking, I think I took the body image class, like, three times because it really didn't stick. Um, (laughs) And... It Honestly, so what, the reason I took that class in the first place was, like, my leader straight up told me, no one's going to respect you as a leader if you're fat.
3: Um,
2: what? Yeah. Um, and she was also not, I mean, she was, she was probably, like, average size, but, like, a little on the heavier side, too. So it was like, why are you a leader in both college and high school ministry saying something like that to an 18-year-old girl? Um, and at that point I was forced to do food logs and all these apps and my discipleship time was always exercise related. Um, and I ended up actually having an eating disorder, um, hiding food and that kind of a thing, um, from my leaders Mm -hmm. and my housemates and stuff, because they were basically like, you can only eat so many calories a day. Right. Um.
1: We, we kind of more of like an emotional leader where food became a comfort to you, you just something to help you get through the day or? Right. They okay. would
2: literally drag me away from this. Like even the guys knew about it at that point. Like it wasn't just something like within the house or within the cell group. It was like the entire home church knew and would like move me away from the snack table at home church. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. They, they, so, okay, so. <laughs> A personal issue, like eating disorder suddenly becomes public knowledge in, in 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 your house church i mean in your home group how how does that happen is, it, is does it become an issue where you're taking this course and they they drill information in the course? Or, or, or any, I mean, obviously, if they see you, I mean, I'm, pictures of you come out, you know, like, this is, you're going to see you, you're carrying a few extra pounds. And, and so because that becomes free game for anybody to, to comment about leadership. Is that, is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. And it's like, obviously, like, it started out as a conversation with my disciple at the time. And then she's like, you need to confess to the cell group every time you binge eat. And then.
1: What, 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 the Bible chapter and verse did you get for that?
2: Uh, probably I mean, one about confessing your sins. Um,
1: yeah, but, yeah, but how does, how is you carrying a few, few extra pounds sinful?
2: Exactly, yeah. Um.
1: See, I, I just spent the past 20 years, you know, looking at the at the remnant fellowship group, which does exactly the same thing, but certainly in a much more fiendish and more systematic manner. But the question is, they are, you know, how do they arrive at the position, a purely arbitrary one, that someone's carrying too much weight? And therefore, that makes them disqualified for leadership. Who who makes that decision? How was that explained to you, or, or was it was it Or you were just told you're too you're, you're overweight, you gotta lose weight to be a leader? I mean, how does that work?
2: Right, and it it was definitely more implied, like you have to lose weight to be a leader, and that wasn't even like an explicit statement. Um, like everything in Xenos is just implications.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah
2: but there was no explanation like obviously like there's no bible verse that says oh you can't be overweight like they just had that underlying tone of like to be a true like multiplication of the leadership system that we have here like that's a requirement um and it like like in CHS being a leader is everything like absolutely everything Um, like, oh, you're not leadership material, no one's going to date you. Everyone's going to be, like, warded off from, Um, like, that's not even going to be an option because, first of all, you have to go through your discipler. Like, if somebody wants to date you, their discipler has to ask their discipler and they have to agree that it's a good idea. And then they're like, (laughs) okay, you can do that. And then they can ask you maybe to hang out. Like it's the level of control is honestly ridiculous.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh like Prince Harry once said, "You don't complain." You and so uh, they, they told. Yeah, he was talking about this in his recent book. Is that the family motto among the royals in, in Britain? According to him, is that you don't complain, you don't explain. So. Um, and so, therefore, that sounds to me what they're doing. They basically get you to the point where you just accept it as it is. You accept this reality that they're posing on you. Uh, just be a good, just be a good Christian and, and listen to what we tell you. Uh, don't complain about it, and then, and then when you st- you start to get reasons, you don't they they there aren't they don't need to be any right. Yeah, just yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Reason. Yeah, unbelievable, and and, and the, the and the control, as you said is ridiculous. It's it's just it's just it gets to a point where they where they tell you who to date, who to be with, who to hang out with. I mean, let's let's say you ran into a friend, uh, a man, uh, some young man you that you wanted with uh and you wanted to, you know, hang out with them, you started visiting with them, just friends, you know, that stuff does happen, believe it or not. Automatically you're you're I guess you you would have been automatically uh like like pilloried put or up against the wall for having been with somebody who they felt like you shouldn't be with if that was how they right. felt. Right. Yeah. A lot of that went on from what I what when I, when I hear too is that you you can't associate with certain people. And that uh, it just yeah. became like a like I said, a real pecking order there. So
2: Yeah, I remember um Right before I ended up getting kicked out of the ministry house, a guy had asked me on a date and he cleared it with his discipler, but they didn't clear it with my discipler. Um and I that guy got disciplined, not like kicked out, but like rebuked because he like asked out someone he shouldn't have.
1: Damn. Unreal. Unreal. I mean, I know it happens. I don't know if you're, but yeah, you're not the first to tell me this, but it just, I just shake my head. And, yeah. I, and I ask my, the listeners out there who go to Xenos. I mean, this is perfectly normal to you people, but outside Xenos, you people are crazy. You mm-hmm. people are insane for expecting young men and women to, to, to dance to that kind of thing while they're in school. I don't get it. Right. I mean, I mean, and you're telling me again, like you said, you are so hard pressed. To you know, to to go through college, you know, let let alone having to carry an additional weight of going to, to dozens of meetings and filling out all this paperwork to to do what personality tests and uh, uh, studies and all these different things, which gonna, which is going to require more tuition. I mean, uh, it, to xenos, it just doesn't occur to them. They just don't see it because they're so they're so they're so blindsided. They don't see just just how incredibly, uh, manipulative it is.
2: Right, right.
1: And that's what you, that's what you face in there. And i just, like I said, it's just, I just don't get it. They don't, they don't see it, but it's there. Uh, and it's something that Xena's wonders why, why people, they, and they go to this thing where they talk about where it, it, when they explain their, uh, distinctives, for lack of a better word, uh, that they get into this real, Really defensive mode. Well, well, no, we're just trying to, you know, freely practice our religion, and uh you know, people who just can't handle what we're saying and do our other work have trouble with it. What, what, what would be right. your comment? What was, what's your comment about that?
2: Um, it's like, yeah, you're freely practicing religion, but you're also imposing, like, grooming children and young adults into yeah little Dennis McCallums,
1: yeah
2: you know, well, like
1: yeah and how it quickly was did abuse. you yeah, it is how quickly did you catch that i mean was it was it was it obvious at first, or when did you start seeing that you were being 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 basically forced down into a mold to, to make you look like someone that you weren't?
2: I did not have any doubts whatsoever, um. Until I want to say I was 20. Um, so five years in to the church. Uh, and it was when my mental health really started to decline. I ended up losing my mother in when I was nineteen. and oh, wow. I had to step away from school because it was too much mentally. Yeah. Um I um uh, I was really struggling to the point of suicidal ideation on a regular basis in the ministry oh, house. Oh no. And there was a point where my discipler who was a practicing social worker should have taken me to the ER or net care or something. I should have been hospitalized. I was denied that hospitalization because it was too much time away from the ministry for me to go to an inpatient psych ward for like a week.
1: Good Lord. Yeah. Okay. She, was she a licensed social worker or was she working to become one?
2: She was a licensed social worker.
1: Okay. So you have a licensed social worker in Xenos who heard you share with them suicide ideation. You're telling her you had a plan. You tell her you didn't want to live anymore. You tell her you were going to do this, you're going to do that. Right? Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry you had, you felt that way. But the point is what's, 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 what you're telling me is that, is that you have someone who knows better, who should, like you said, gotten you hospitalization and and did because all, and only because it was going to take you away from meetings.
2: Right. And at that point, like, I was forced to again confess that I had suicidal ideation, like it was some sort of sin. Um, there was a formal document from Dennis McCallum saying that suicide is the biggest F-U that you could ever give to God. And we don't know what blaspheming the Holy Spirit means, but that could be it.
1: Um, yeah, i heard this document. Yeah.
2: Um, basically like had to tell all my roommates what I was going through um I think they did at the time I didn't have insurance so I think I like went to the free clinic for like an antidepressant and they're like you're gonna be fine and it's like clearly just something you need to work out between you and God like not like like no depression is a chemical problem um and like something wrong with your brain like you need you need help for that. Like, I don't know. I just, I will never understand that moment in my life. And I, I mean, I still stayed for like another three years. Um, but, um, it's just one of the wildest things to me that, like, a licensed social worker would say, no, you aren't going to the hospital. Like, yeah, it's just the most bizarre thing to me.
1: Well, I mean, when you have somebody like Dennis McCallum, who was treated virtually as God in in Zenos, yeah. you you expect that. I mean, I'm reading now portions of what's what's now known as his, as his revised paper on suicide. I mean, and and and, and this and his and he, say, he he commands people to uh, quote consider these moral points. On suicide. And I'm just going to give you the high points here. Committing suicide is a serious sin according to biblical teaching. Uh, suicide is murder. Suicide is like giving God the finger, just like what you just said. Suicide is cruel. Suicide is foolish. Suicide is intensely selfish. Finally, committing suicide is following the call of Satan. And, and he goes on and 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 he goes on to make the case from john 844 that because jesus said of satan he was a murderer in the beginning he doesn't say the truth he's a liar of the father lies and therefore if you if you kill yourself if you if you if you do that you're murdering yourself so well, therefore uh you are a child of satan now that's you know, uh, that's certainly understandable evangelical ethnic in some circles, but unfortunately, but unfortunately, like I said, that, that one verse twisted all out of context doesn't say that. I mean, yeah, suicide, like me. suicide certainly is not the second unforgivable sin. It's a, it's a, it's a sad and tragic reality that people should be helped with to avoid that, but yet they heap that on you as, as I, as I guess of some way to help you, right?
2: And imagine the guilt yeah. that you, you already are at your lowest and you are forced to read a document like that by the leader of your church that so looked, looks so highly upon. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you know, you read that paper, you feel all that extra guilt and shame that you didn't need to feel. And then you're forced to tell your, you know, your entire cell group, half your church, um, like that's just more guilt and more shame, and honestly, like it it doesn't help. It
1: no, okay, it, surely, yeah. I mean, this is written in 2016, so and you had your struggles around 2019, you said, right?
2: Um, let's see, I'm doing math on my head. yeah. Um, I think there was a so that's a revised document. There was an original that was much worse that we will never get our hands on probably. Um,
1: well, this is bad right. enough. You're right. I mean, yeah, a bit, I'm sure they're hiding it, but there's, but this is bad. Enough. So this, so this thinking would have been in the minds of everybody, you, that, that you were told to confess your sin to, right? Right. This is the kind of sinking in Xenos that you're, you're told is, is biblical counsel, and then you had a licensed social worker whose license should be revoked, far as I'm concerned, uh, sitting and grooming you and telling you you need to submit to this because because th- this this is biblical counsel. This 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 is what, what what God wants you to know. Right. God, my God, Candy, I'm so sorry. What what, what and then, and you couldn't have felt any smaller, tinier, more less insignificant at that moment, could you? Right. right. Gracious, I'm so sorry. So what happened? Then, after Yeah, what happened after that? I mean, uh, after that, where do where do you go?
2: Um, you know, for some reason, I still stayed. <laughs> uh, yeah. God yeah. only knows why. Um, but well, I mean, you're, you're afraid. To, you're
1: afraid to be caught out of out of good graces. You only be in good God's grace in, in Xenos. Right. Yeah,
2: and, and there was so much pressure to perform after that, like you need to be bringing people to church and attending every meeting and, um, yeah, like,
3: yeah,
2: Just you a- know, you have all these rules and standards. And at that point, like, yeah, I think, I think your home church split shortly after that. Um, cause I had been like moved groups several times. Like, right. right. Um, which was more instability when that's what I really needed. And, you know, that's when the doubt started kicking in. It was just like, no, like I'm not going to respond to that. Like that's Satan. Like there, I shouldn't have doubts about this church. Like this is the church that God wants me to be in. Like, right. Um, and then after that split, like I was, and I told you, like they had put me on medication for the depression. And then, um, I actually have bipolar disorder. Okay. So yeah. I was in a new home church and I was manic from the mm-hmm. medication. I wasn't sleeping on top of the already ridiculous, you know, schedule where you don't sleep. Um, and it came to the point where like I had already stopped going to school. I wasn't sleeping. I ended up losing my job, and because I couldn't sleep, and I'd like fall asleep when I was supposed to go to work. Um, and then I had yeah. a formal discipline meeting between me and the leader of the ministry house, where I was basically said, "You know, we're stopping discipleship. We are." Um, asking you to move out of the house because you don't have a job, and I had absolutely nowhere to go. Yeah. I like I said, I had lost my mom, I had lost my stepdad. Um, I had absolutely nowhere to go, but I had to move out in like a week. Yeah. Um, uh, I ended up like couch surfing at my brother's house for like a month. Um. But I was still like so dedicated to like going to these meetings.
3: Yeah.
2: And so and I don't I, I don't drive. So I would have to get a ride from my brother's house in Hilliard to campus um for every meeting. Um, right. but I still went and I was like, Okay, hey, like, you know, this is just some hardship. God still wants to use me here, like what can I do? Um, until so I finally got my own place and that's when it really started getting hard to go to those meetings. Like I would have these massive panic attacks before home church or CT or cell group. And I, I think that was like, what really convinced me, you know, yeah. to stop were these massive panic attacks and I started going less and less. And then eventually um I, I got my formal bipolar diagnosis and I was like, something's just not right. i don't want to be here anymore yeah um yeah and i just tried to ghost them after the beach trip um but they're so persistent like no we need to have a sit-down conversation about this and it's like at that Mm -hmm. point i was like trying to go back to school and get my life together and like finish my degree um and it's like they're even trying to like discourage me from that like you're not gonna have enough time for home church and all this stuff, like if you're back in school, and I'm just like that's like let me figure it out my own my own, like I think like being out of the house really gave me a sense of independence, yeah um and that I didn't know that I could have because literally all of my formative years were spent in this like oppressive cult, you know, right,
1: well. uh. And isn't that really the reason why people are enjoined to stick around and live in ministry houses and and stick around that close, and be three meetings a week all the time? It's because everybody's kept so busy and submerged right. in a environment where they are constantly being conditioned with these ideals and with these lifestyle choices that they that they are mandated to live by. Right. I mean, you, 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 you don't have any way to think for yourself. There's no way to independently consider until you get free. You break right. away. Then all of a sudden you find out, wait a minute, I do have choices. I right. may not be as awful as a, as I am. I, I might actually do something with my life, but that's just so fraught with, with so much worry that the that, right. that, 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 that guilt puts on you, isn't it?
2: Right. And it's like, they really pressure you to, like, I mean, it's it's fellowship 24-7. Yeah. You know, except, like, you're sleeping, but you're still in a room with other people. There's always someone around.
1: Yeah. There's like, no so privacy. No matter
2: what you do. There's, there's no, no privacy. Prim- you
1: can't close the door and sit and think for yourself. Otherwise, you might think you're doing something evil. You know? So- I mean
2: when there are 10 girls in one bathroom, you don't even get that time to yourself. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, like I said, it's, it's just sad, you know, to really see where that goes. I mean, I mean, 10 people, 10 people living together in one space, uh, just isn't healthy. It, it, it's not, 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 not Definitely not socially or mentally and definitely you know, what happens if somebody gets COVID or gets sick? Uh, and guess what? Everybody's gonna, everybody's gonna get it in a matter of time. Colds, flus, whatever, that, that, you know, the, the, the springtime cough, or whatever, you know, they, there's right. no way you can do that. Uh, but, 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 but you're mandated by Xenos to live in that way. That's really, people living, not living in that are really the exception rather than the rule, aren't they?
2: Right, for sure. Um, yeah. Like, I know we had lice outbreaks, bed bug outbreaks.
3: Like, oh, oh, Lord.
2: Oh. Oh uh, I've heard that tr- other groups had, like, CDs outbreaks and, you know, and, and my houses, like, the houses I lived in were smaller. Like, they would get triple bunk beds and stick six guys in one bedroom.
1: Um, Good Lord. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's real. It's it's, this is what is going on in ministry houses, where you're not only living uncomfortably close and intimate life with absolutely no privacy whatsoever, but at the same time, you are being told basically how to live, at a time in which you're going to college, learning how to live and think for yourself, and it turns out you're not, you're not allowed that so uh that that's a message that people who send their kids to places like like o s u where Xenos is, is in control need to hear uh all right. cults do that they all all cultic movements look for that and achieve that kind of control and and mm-hmm. it completely destroys lives completely well, it almost ruined yours i'm i'm just so 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 sorry to hear that so so you finally got free, though you finally got a moment where you well they kicked you out, and you're now thinking on your own did you, you but you still wanted to go back because you feel like that was the only point of reference to live by, or why did you feel like you just needed to be there? I mean, obviously, the conditioning was there
2: honestly, I think they just make it so hard to leave the church um You know, all of my friends were in the church, or I had warded them off trying to get them to come to the church. Um, Like, I didn't know what else to do with my time, my resources. Like, it was all I had known for seven years that I dragged it out for six more months. And I, like, I felt horrible. Every you know? time I would go into a meeting, I didn't feel like that was good enough. I feel like there was like, I'm like, look at this. This is tangible proof. Like they kicked me out of the house and you know, I'm not allowed to do X, Y, and Z. And when you come out from that, it's like, I had no one, yeah. um, you know, uh, I had no friends. Most of my family didn't really talk to me. Um. Like I, like, I had my therapist, and like, that was about it. <laughs> wow. Um, and, cause, um, they ended up referring me to an outside agency because of the bipolar disorder, like the Xenos Free Clinic. Um, and honestly, I think that, like, saved my life.
1: Um, yeah, what was the like- Xenos Free Clinic? I mean, these, you- if that's a place to get help, <laughs> how did that work? I mean, I, I mean, in such a, such a, such a just incredibly authoritarian and controlling environment, how, how did that become like a beacon for you?
2: I think, well, I was uninsured and like, I like would occasionally need medical attention and they offer free, like the few doctors and nurses that are in the church would Um, practice there for free, like, once a month or something. Okay. And I remember, like, talking to this doctor, like, explaining, like, I think I have bipolar disorder. Like, something is wrong. And he's like, I can't do anything about that. I'm, like, a family practitioner. They sent me to to this outside agency called Concord Counseling, where I was given, like, a medical provider and – a therapist, a licensed therapist, instead of, like, some random person in the church they decided to appoint as a therapist and, like, a case manager to help me get everything back in order. Um,
1: was, this, was this counseling service entirely funded or controlled by Xenos or was this a third-party standalone?
2: Complete third-party standalone. Okay. Um, So this
1: this doctor is actually a decent enough character to to refer you to actually get real help. Right. Okay.
2: Um, So, um, yeah, I think, I honestly think that saved my life. And I remember talking to my therapist at the time, like, when I was, like, really considering, like, if I was going to stay in the church and I was telling her, like, these things about Xenos and she's like, This is a red flag. These flags are so red. Like, yeah. why would you want to go back to that? That sounds toxic. And I'm like, you're right. Like
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know So when, when she so when she said that to you, what were your what was your response? What did you what did you feel like?
2: I honestly felt like a sense of relief because I'm like, okay, like these little thoughts in the back of my head like, have some stability to them. They're grounded in reality that yeah. something is wrong here. That there's, like, something's off about this church. Like, and it, and it's hard to, like, separate yourself from it initially. But I think being out of the house really gave me enough of that separation of, to be like, okay, I can look at this. A little bit more as an outsider looking in, and this other outsider looking in is telling me the same thing, like clearly i can't like I can't go back to that
1: right, wow, and it took you having to get an outside person to actually tell you what was going on right some Some in xenos couldn't couldn't do that for you,
2: right,
1: wow yeah. Well, at least, you know, like I said, you know, at least there are enough people that it seems to be a conscience or at least uh, professional um, competency where they recognize, hey, this is someone that really needs help, and we can't provide that for. We can't provide a prescription of more Bible verses to read. Uh, we need to get them real medical help, you know. Not, right. just, not that reading Bible verses is bad, but you know, when someone is obviously beyond that, they need help. Uh, right. how, how many people really face that though? How, how, how many people in Xenos, uh, I mean, I don't know how many you knew, but uh, it sounds to me like that's not a reality of people who struggle mentally or or depressed or struggling with chemical disorders or whatever really ever get from Zenos they're always told just just to spiritualize it and 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 to pray it away
2: right it's read this book read these verses you know talk to your disciple pray more like i remember oh. when i first started experiencing anxieties like here's a book like yeah okay like the spiritual book is great but like i need coping skills not you know, like, I'm just frantically, I'm anxiously praying. That's all, that's all you're gonna get. Like, I need to calm down. Not, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. That's, that's tragic, yeah. And, and that's supposedly the cutting edge of, uh, Christian faith there, where people are told to live the overcoming of life in Christ, uh, but, but by literally being controlled, by just being Becoming puppets in, in the hands right. of people like Dennis McCallum and others. So, who who are some of the leaders that you that you supposedly were getting good counsel from? Who whose whose influence really just showed itself so badly here?
2: Honestly, like it it's really boils down to James Rochford and his wife. Okay, uh, and it's more so his wife's, that is an absolute menace. Mm. Um oh, wow. she um she has said a lot of hurtful things to a lot of hurtful people. Um I don't know if you've heard like there are several people who were formerly in the church under Dianne's leadership that have committed suicide as a result of her leadership. Like the things that she says to them or that she like the counsel that she provided um has led to
1: suicides. Wow. So you have said you know several people, individuals, who are known within Xenos who committed suicide who were directly under her influence.
2: Yes, at least two. Uh And I would probably feel comfortable saying I was almost the third.
1: Mm-mm. Right, right. So, so did she counsel you then? what were some of the yes. things that she said to you was this, this was was this directly part of the the stream of information you already shared or or was i mean but she i mean she was over your disciple right and so if that's the case what was she, was was your information flowing back up to her for her to, to for her to go ahead and and uh and uh uh look over i mean how did that work how does that work in this situation like yours?
2: I think, so, I mean, everything that you tell your discipler immediately goes to the church leadership and to the elder. Ian yeah. was directly leading over my group, so everything went directly to her, um, because she was the senior leader, her and James were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, nothing you share in Zianos is private.
1: Right. Um,
2: so... Everything that I told my discipler, she found out one way or the other, you know. She was also an expert of prying information out of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things that you don't want to share and that you shouldn't necessarily have to. Um, Mm -hmm. And like.
1: When she confronts you, how, how how did her direct counsel impact you? Did she actually Um, confront you about stuff? She feel like she was calling your calling your BS, so to speak, uh, for what it was. Or, I mean, how did how did she actually go? You you mentioned that you felt like her counsel was directly responsible for this, or if not directly responsible, it definitely was an influence. So, how did it impact you directly?
2: Um. Yeah. Definitely. Like she had. I mean, she had no filter. She would just like. Say things offhand, like, in the middle of the teaching, like, call you out. Okay. Like, say, this person. And usually it was just during cell group. Um, so it was just in front of the women. But she would sit there and say, oh, this person needs to hear this because da-da-da-da-da-da. And, like, here's my opinion. Or, like, sometimes she'd pull you aside. But sometimes it'd be, like, in a group of three or four people, like, putting your business on blast. Like here's this verse I thought about sharing with you because of this sin that you have a struggle with. And it's like, that's great that you want to like share your counsel, but you can do that privately. You don't have to sit there and tell everyone that I may or may not feel comfortable sharing with everything about me.
1: Hmm. So she feels like she has a She's mandated by God. She's, she's, she, she feels this divine inspiration. I mean, she might use those words per se, but, but she obviously feels like she has the authority to speak directly to you in the middle of a Bible teaching about some failure you had. And yet at the same time, uh, she's doing this among a group of people. Right. A group of people who are obviously your peers, obviously those listening, those who you live with. Who are, who are hearing you getting chewed out and then they, they're going to understand what their role is in the process, that they actually have a part to play in the, in the process. Right. right, and then it
2: just turns into, like, first of all, now everybody knows my shortcomings. And now everybody else is chiming in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, everybody else is chiming in by, by way of, well, I mean, what would people say to you afterwards? i mean if if okay were you in were you actually in, 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 in an actual incident in which she called you out that way?
2: um I know like there was one specific thing where I was like sharing my son to a handful of people, and she I was like, I think it's because of this traumatic thing that happened in my life, so I'm gonna try and resolve this traumatic thing, and she's like, that doesn't matter, your trauma doesn't matter,
3: hmm.
1: Your you need to business.
2: take responsibility for your actions.
1: She actually said that to you.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm, wow. And so, and she said that publicly before other people. Yes. So you got a group of how many women, young women, your peers, who you live with? The ten women in, in per room, whatever. How many were there funny when when this happened?
2: Oh, that was that was the whole group.
1: The whole group. How how many were in that group?
2: I think there are like fifteen of us,
1: okay, so you have fifteen young women who are now being told that you have a weakness and you're being watched and you're wrong, and uh, the implication on them is to do what then? rub it in to con-
2: to continue to call you out for it,
1: yeah, yeah until you comply with the, with the behavior they want you to uh to, to live by right right, yeah. And this is, and this is common. This is, this is viewed as normal Christian living. Uh, and this, yes. and this, this, this goes continually on and on and on throughout zenith. Not just in women's group, obviously, but it's in all, in all groups, right? Right. No 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 would you know if this was actually going on in among the uh senior or more adult levels uh, I, I gather not, but i but I don't know um this is a, that's a whole level of culture as you know, we've not even touched yet regarding adults, but from what I understand it, it's not a whole lot uncommon there either It's just more subtle, it's just more nuanced right. in the discussion here it's just blatant in your face,
2: right for sure,
1: wow. And this happened with other women as well. She yes. just a, she just pours into people like that. And and again, it, we would be you know people outside of Z- Xenos listening to go, oh my god, this is horrible. But 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 no, in Xenos in this is this is viewed as quite normal.
2: This is a regular Friday night.
1: Yeah. So every Friday night, every whenever whenever you're getting together and these things are happening, uh, this can be expected time. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. I'm so sorry to hear that. So, uh, you okay? Yeah. You sound a little upset.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, a great... it's a lot. Um, yeah, I know. Back and um, I was actually formally diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder due to directly as a result of my time oh, in Xenos yeah. last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll well, oh, I, I appreciate you sharing this. I know this is, I, and I'm sorry I'm asking so many questions, but, but yours is an experience that happens over and over again. And it's not God's will. I don't care what Dennis says or any of the anyone says it's not God's will that people become voyeurs to your so-called healing. You know, right. uh, I mean, I mean, it says confess your sins one to another. That implies a limit. One to another. Yes, you can take horribly sinful people, as Matthew 24 or Matthew 18 says, and and, and call people out. But to them, that's the norm. You call people out. You confront them. You just rub it in your nose instead of just lovingly coming to people and sharing with them.
2: And it's not. It's not just... I'm going to confess my sins. It's, you're going to confess your sins to me, and I'm going to tell them to this person and this person and this person and pretty much the whole group, and then I'm going to, like, extend that. Like, Dennis gets reports about, oh, this person's struggling with this. Like, that's, like, his weekly report. His reading for the week is what every single member of the church is struggling with at any given time.
1: Right. So this is, so this is, and we, we've heard this in the past in other podcasts where, uh, disciples, you know, through all the paperwork you're doing are collecting very, very rigorously, uh, a, and create a database of, of us, of, uh, a database of, of, uh, upon people's weaknesses and sins. And it becomes right. a, a document circulated among, leadership as well as Dennis, and, and and so they get to read that um, Sally so-and-so has just had sex with her boyfriend, and we found out it was it, it involved some really kinky stuff that was going on, you know, after CT, and so therefore, but we found out, you know, we, we, we went to her house, we dug this out, we found this item, we found that item, we found this on her phone, he knows about all of that to that degree, doesn't he?
2: Right, and it's all just ammunition for him and the church leaders.
1: I think it's more like porn for him, to be honest with you. I I think, I think, I don't know how in the world, why anyone needs to act like God that way and know what people do. Uh, There's no, again, there's, there's, the only thing about sin the Bible speaks about is, is realizing what it is and confessing and repenting of it and then lovingly, in, in, in the loving way people coming up to you individually to discuss that. Uh, I mean, I've, I, we've, we've said this over and over on the podcast, how scripture teaches an entirely different way to approach sin, which Zenos knows nothing about, in right. which people are compassionately and gently confronted, but not in a way where they're crushed and turned into dirt. I mean there's there's a, the, there's a the, i and i'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm not having a senior moment around, but there's a verse in the Bible that says you know if you had to confront someone you do not treat them as enemies but you treat them as brothers you right. treat them as sisters i mean if if I was coming going coming to you uh, candy, and I know you're in sin, I, I would lovingly pull you aside, but I wouldn't, but even after you decide, no, you know, F you, Rafi, I'm going to do what I want. You know, it, that can happen. It does. Uh, it doesn't I'm going to hate you or, or put you down any further. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to continue to, to care for you and lovingly reach out compassion to you and pray for you. That, that, to me, is what I see in Scripture. That's, that's how sin is handled, and that's how people are meant to be treated in Christian films when singles up, but no, in here, it just add, there's only one size that it fits all. It's a Bible right. hammer. You are slammed down and, 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 and all the authority and all those pretentious, uh, love that's showered out there is put out by people upon you to make you feel that way. Right. Gosh, I am so sorry. So you, and you still wanted to get back into that. At what point did you finally stop? Um, it was,
2: it was after the beach trip. Um, really, there was this like sense of like, like I was still there. I was physically present, but there was a sense of you're an outcast. Like, you don't live in the house. We know you're involved in X, Y, and Z. Like, there's a point where they just start pushing you out. Mm-hmm. And I think once it got to that point, I was like, okay, I don't belong here anymore. Like, okay. and you can tangibly feel that and see that. Um, did you, see,
1: did you see yourself as a valued person loved by God?
2: No, I did not.
1: You, you were just pond scum. You were dirt. You were nothing. You're two inches tall. You were an ant ready to be squished because you were so nasty.
2: Right. And still to this day, I have like, I still haven't built up four years later. I still haven't built up my self-esteem from that time Mm -hmm. when I felt that small. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of work and a lot of practice and a Mm -hmm. lot of therapy to overcome that Mm-mm. thought that's like ingrained into your brain that you are Mm-mm. worthless and meaningless. Mm.
1: Yeah. So you finally left and, um, how did, uh, I, I, and you know, how did life improve? I mean, you have proven by having gotten away just for a little bit of time to, th- to rethink what your involvement is. You started to see some things about yourself. And then right. now that you finally decided not to go back, stop pursuing it, uh, I mean, I just gotta believe things got better. <laughs> so, so yeah. how did how, that go for you at that point?
2: Man, I finished my degree, um, Okay. I got married, like, met the oh. love of my life, like, I finally saw a sense of value in myself. I mean, I, it, it took some time and I'm still so struggling, but like, I, there's a sense of value in myself. I can learn about things that were off limits, like and i and I feel like I have this great sense of empathy and compassion for other people, like that developed as a direct result of this trauma that I faced in my time at xenos,
1: yeah 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 right you you get sensitized to something you you begin to understand. The pain people are in and you, and you just feel like you want to help. You want to, you want to reach out. You want to at least listen to someone. And, uh, that's, that's what cranks my motor. That's why I am why I am. As a, as a minister of the, of the Christian gospel, and I truly believe there is a Christian gospel. And as a minister, I serve in that. Uh, my heart goes out to people who are hurting who are beaten down by places like Xenos and not just Xenos. I mean, I'm a, I'm a traditional minister too. I see people doing things I see family and friends getting involved and stuff that, you know, they're, and they're hurt and beat, but you know, loving people, sh- you sh- if you're, if you're truly loving, you're going to love, you're going to reach out and you're going to accept people where they are. And, um, I'm sorry that you felt that that horrible experience yes. but but you know, that I, I, you know uh, I, I'm glad to see that where there, where there was life that there was still and you and you stubbornly kept hoping and that's and that's good to see you you pushed on you got your degree uh, and you married someone was he in the church or was he outside
2: outside of the church
1: oh good <laughs> and, and, and I mean he sounded like a great guy to understand where you are I mean that's yeah. sort of it's certainly something that he has to he has to carry now, you know. And and I'm sure as as any good husband would, he, he's going to gladly do that. You know, yeah, and, he does. That's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. So, so where are you going now? What have you been doing with yourself? I was. You still are you still pursuing therapy, or? Still-
2: I actually am considering getting my master's and doing work in religious trauma. Uh. So that's definitely on the books to continue oh, yeah. to help other people and, um, you know, help them process what they've been through. Cause I know it's not just limited to Xenos. There are thousands of small abuses and churches all over the world and oh, all yeah. over the country. And, oh
3: yeah. Oh yeah.
2: You know, it's, it's yeah. imperfect people, you know, and the church isn't perfect. No church is perfect. Um, right. So
1: and the tragic thing is that that imperfect church, yeah, you could you I hear so much of that comment that 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 sentiment about well, you know uh you know i'm i'm am i I'm an imperfect guy, yeah, you're right, you know, you're right, everybody's imperfect, everybody has struggles, but places like xenos excel in at institutionalizing that imbalance. They right. excel at justifying this, this, this shag nasty voyeurism that has nothing to do with the grace of God. Right. Nothing to do with it at all. And, uh, and, uh, I really commend you that you would reach out and want to be involved, uh, in something like that. It's, it's a, it's a sorely, sorely needed, needed thing. Uh, and I, and I, I to hear if people wanted to go into this, extremely difficult and very, very taxing, uh, uh, calling, uh, is, 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 is it, it thrills me. I'm glad to have some small part of it in my own way. And I'm just grateful to hear that. Uh, that's what you'd like to do. So, so, um, well, I, I really want to appreciate your coming on and sharing. And I really appreciate candy that you, uh, and I, and I can tell throughout the conversation you're, I can sense your tension, and I understand that it's, it's reliving. This is not something people want to do. People want to bury this. They want to run away from it. They want to hide it. They want to disguise it. But you, uh, they, they want, they want to do anything they can to escape from it. But you, I, and I appreciate the fact that you've chosen to go the hard route and do what you can to resolve it, to to put it behind you in, in, in the right context. And I, and I think that yeah. says a lot for who you are. And, I, and I'm, and I'm certain, you know, that you're, you know, if your mother had been alive and she understood more, uh, she'd be proud of you. She'd be proud of you being a survivor and being the person of, of conscious that you are. And I, yeah. I, I know, I know I am. I'm glad to have met you and so many others like you. So um, I appreciate your sharing today. So in closing, is there something Specific, is there anyone perhaps you maybe want to send a message back to who might be listening on Xenos? I mean, Dennis is going to be listening because I know all, he's got his own little cadre <laughs> of people, you know, Dicing us up, transcribing it, making reports. I'm certain of that. So, right. uh, so you got the ear of Xenos right now. Is there something you'd like to say into it? Anyone specific or just something you, that you'd like to get off your chest? Is there something you'd like to say? I mean, uh, I'm going to give you a floor as, as you close us off with that.
2: I just think that those little things that bother you about the church run so much deeper than you can imagine. And there's so many more of them than you can possibly imagine. And so if there's something that the church does or has done ever that is bothering you, look into that, continue listening to these stories. And I just hope and pray that one day you realize that and that you can break free.
1: Yeah. And I hope so too, Dennis, James. Conrad, whoever you are, I hope you are listening and that somehow this is getting beyond that thick shell you've grown and and, 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 the, and the anesthesia you put over your, your, your uh your consciences or, or 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 worse yet maybe the burning you've done against it, the incineration of your conscience you've done. We're hoping it'll grow back. God does that. He's a God of resurrections. He's, that's, a, that's, what, that's, a, that's, remember reading my Bible, right? That's what he does. He resurrects that which was dead. And I'm hoping that all you people out there, all of you who are listening to this are going to wake up and smell the pizza and see it for what it is. You are in a right. destructive cult <laughs> and, and you are destroying lives and you think you're doing this in the name of God as this, this is, this is, this is the highest Christian sentiment and you, and you, you're so blinded you don't even see the light. But we're hoping you'll see that, and I appreciate right. Candy. You're you're sharing that, and and thank you so very, very much for uh, for sharing with us today. And uh, it's been very enlightening. Uh, we, there's eventually a, a, an entire episode uh, on the suicide influence, uh, or or that uh, apparently is very strong in Xenos and how Xenos completely evades it with this kind of stuff. Uh, We need to get into that and discuss that further. So hopefully we we will have have you back on for a discussion of that. I hope you'd be interested in doing that with us.
2: Of course. Thank
0: you so much for giving me the opportunity to share my story. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.